You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 234 of the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. Today, we're back in the US, in the far northwest, indeed, nearly on the Canadian border, and I'm meeting a fruit farmer from Washington State. Kate Thornton grows 180 hectares, that's 440 acres for anyone in old money, of pulls and pears. She's a fourth generation farmer at home, but also started her own fruit selling company, Kate's Crates, at just 15. She has cleverly used social media to build her business, starting with Facebook Marketplace and now has a huge following on TikTok, which helps in raising awareness of her brand. Uh, she recently graduated from Washington State University with a degree in marketing. Kate, welcome to Meet the Farmers. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, how are you? How are things there? And I should say good morning. It's it's the, it's the end of the day nearly here. <laughs> yes, good morning. Thank you for having me on. Um, it's going well here. We've had a surprisingly sunny week, which I really enjoy. It's about 40 degrees here Fahrenheit. It, it's honestly a nice break because we've had some pretty dreary weather lately. Yeah, well, I'm in the UK and it's always dreary here. So, um, yeah, I know I know how you feel. Uh, tell us a little bit about Washington um, State, first of all, because listeners in whatever part of the world, they probably won't know that much about it. So tell us a bit about it in terms of the climate, the geography, population, some basic facts. Yeah, so everyone thinks Washington State, and that's not Washington, like the US capital. Yeah. Uh, Washington State up in the... The corner of the United States. Um, it's very known for being rainy and dreary, actually, because of Seattle's reputation. But I'm on the other side of the mountains. So there's the Cascade Mountains that divides the state. And I'm on the east side. And we actually have, I live in um, what we call a um, like arid climate. So it's very like desert. It's, it, it's an alpine desert, actually, is what it's called. And so we've got a lot of like pine trees and stuff, but it's a very dry climate. We get about the same amount of rainfall as Phoenix, Arizona. So oh, wow. not a whole lot of rain. Yeah. We actually get most of our like irrigation or like moisture from snowfall. Um, and so it is a very dry climate. We get, we get all four seasons. We get snow, we get <laughs> spring, we get fall and of course summer. And actually in the summertime we get, temperatures of over 110 degrees uh fahrenheit and so it gets pretty dang warm um but that's also what makes great fruit incredible uh, and tell us a bit about the farm uh, so you're you're 180 hectares and uh, your apples and pears um but yeah give us some more info on the farm yeah so um 180 hectares so about 60 percent of that is pears 40 percent apples so while I'm known for being the apple girl, we actually grow more pears. Okay. But this next year, I'll be focusing a little more on some pear content. So I'm excited for that. Great. And and in terms of uh, family history, uh, the, how the farms changed over time, um, it's, it's a family business through and through. 
<laughs> yeah, so of course this is America, so we're a far newer country than what you guys are used to. So <laughs> I'm I'm fourth generation, so uh next year we'll be hitting a hundred years farming in the valley. Um and so my great grandpa moved over here from uh Virginia and started farming and moved up north to where I am. So I'm middle of Washington and 20 minutes from Canada, so very far north. Um but started out with about 100 acres or built into 100 acres of apples and about 100 head of cattle. And that's what like my great grandparents did. And then um, eventually now we're here at 180 hectares, 440 acres. Oh. And, and, and your life sort of growing up on the farm? Give, give us a picture of that. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was born like in our house, like a pioneer baby. Um, I think they're like, it was, I'm like third kid. And so um, they were kind of like, well, let's just do a home birth or whatever. So I've literally grown up on the farm. I came in the heat of July. My dad was doing irrigation and the midwife was finally like, all right, you need to stay around because she's going to come at any minute. And he was all twisted, <laughs> worried about his crop, of course. Um, but that's, I, I got to have a wonderful childhood. You grow up giving a uh, given a little bit of responsibility every year, a little more responsibility. And so started out probably like picking rocks, working in the garden a little bit, and then moved into bigger roles, like doing irrigation and, and things like that. So I've loved it. And uh, you you have worked away from the farm. You, you've, told, you've told me you did an internship for a biotech firm, but have you always wanted to work on the farm? But you've, you've obviously tried out other things. Okay, so I in middle school, so I was like, what, 13? I thought I wanted to be a physician's assistant. I thought I wanted to go into the medical field. But then I, I came into this like realization that I really, I love like the country, like fashion, first of all, I like Western fashion. Um, and I loved like, I realized how cool it was to like live on a farm. And when I was about 15 and 16 is when I started doing these marketing trips. I would go around the States and was introducing a new apple variety we were growing called Sugar Bee. And I got to meet a lot of the public. And so I saw all of the misconceptions that were out there. And then I realized, you know what? There's a bigger role for me out there, um, hopefully bridging this gap between the producers and the consumers. And so I took to social media, but it was, it was through like working through all of this that I realized, oh my gosh, I definitely have a passion for it. And, you know, in, in all honesty, coming from a farming background, you go through a lot of heartache. And I saw that growing up. I, I saw the highs, I saw the lows. Um, my mother left when I was 15. And then during that time, we got into special assets, financial difficulty. And so you know, by the time you go through all that, and if you still want to do it, like, that's definitely the thing for you. And so even going through all of that stuff, I realized I love farming. I love this industry. And that's what I want to do. Gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that you you went through all that. That was a, that must have been, I mean, in many ways, some real life shaping experiences, though. Yeah, but I mean, I, everyone has their own stories, right? We all have our own. It's true. Um, I, I definitely want to talk about um how your sort of uh, your your knowledge and experience in marketing came up, um, but before that, let's talk about apples um, because uh, we haven't had. I, th I think we've had probably half a dozen or so um, 
fruit farmers um, on the show, but uh, it, it's always nice talking about fruit. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about apples. What varieties uh, do you grow and why, first of all? Because I'm guessing that they might be slightly different to those that we have in the UK. Yeah, so we do have a very ideal climate for growing apples um, because we've got like we've got cool evenings, we got some drafts, we got some um, sloping hills that apples really love. We've got sunny days that really make that beautiful red color on apples, and really like the cooler temperatures make a really firm apple that stores really well. So we honestly do well with pretty much any apple variety, but. You got to strategize because year to year markets for different apple varieties can be different. Sometimes you have different regional issues, like it hails in one spot um, and then the other areas are fine. So we've got some red delicious, some golden delicious, which are older varieties, but we like to diversify and we'll eventually graph those over to a newer, newer variety. But then we've got Honeycrisp, we've got Cosmic Crisp, which is the new apple out of Washington State University. That is exclusive to Washington growers right now. We got sugar bee apple. Um, we got Granny Smith, which are the green apples everyone knows. And I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, we got Fuji's, and then we got Pink Ladies. Yeah, and just yeah, I, I, I recognize a few of those, but there's definitely some there's some new names in there for me. Um, what, what's your favorite variety? So I always ask people if they're a sweet apple person or a tart apple person, and I'm a sweet apple person. Um, so I like sugar bee apples. They're half honey crisp, natural cross-pollination, sweeter, crispy, dessert apple is what we call it. Nice. Do you, do you, there are some great names there, though. Do, do you have a favorite apple variety name? Ooh, I really do like the Cosmic Crisp name, yeah. um, just because it like it kind of washes over your mouth really well. And then it, like, it definitely speaks to the characteristics of the apple. The apple's like very dark and it's got very pronounced lenticels, which are the little white spots all over the apple. So it looks like a galaxy. So cosmic huh. crisp. Pretty cool. That was, that was spoken like a true marketeer there. Um, <laughs> for sure. I've, I've been talking about that. And I mean, you've been you've been quite entrepreneurial from from quite a young age, which is clear. Um Tell us about your business, Kate's Crates, um, because, uh, yeah, you started this when you were 15, but I'm interested in sort of the idea behind it and, and where it came from. Yeah. So growing up, um, we had a few apricot trees, actually, that my siblings and I, we like get them all picked and then um, pack them up and sell them at a bulk price to a grocery store about 40 miles east of us. And um, my sister, my older sister is about seven years older than me. So seven years goes by and then it's like my turn to kind of take over this little project. And my dad's like, all right, you can do something with these apricots if you want to, or they're just going to fall and they won't turn it into anything. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? Cause I didn't really want to, of course I was a little bit greedy and I was like, I want to get like probably a little bit higher value for these boxes of fruit instead of taking them to a grocery store. So I was like, I'm going to see if I can sell them around my community. And so I started using Facebook marketplace and it was like, I, I say I was 15, but it was a few days before I turned 16. But the first couple of sales I made, I couldn't drive yet because you have to be 16. Right. And so we had to have one of our employees drive me into my first meetup spots and uh, met my first customers. And, you know, you have to figure out pricing, you have to figure out what goes in a box, what doesn't go in a box. And 
So I learned so much through, and just every interaction where you're handing a box of fruit to a customer is an experience and you're just growing constantly, which is ideal at 16, 17, 18 years old. So my first year, um, and with those apricots, my dad was like, if you sell 20 boxes, I'll be impressed. And I sold 44 boxes of apricots. And then, um, he let me sell some apples, let me sell some pears. And I think that first year I sold over 400 boxes of fruit. Right. And then my senior year, I think I sold 1200. Wow. Um, and in order to get this off the ground as well, which I, mean, I think this is genius and there might be actually listeners. If, if, if there's anyone else out there who's using Facebook marketplace, then please get in touch because I think this is a really good way of, of starting certainly but clearly growing as well you use facebook marketplace to get this business off the ground um what would just just tell me your thinking behind that uh man well honestly when you so i guess i didn't explain that my town is a very small town so we don't even have a stoplight like okay. population 1200 i knew everyone's first middle and last name in my graduating <laughs> class right uh, <laughs> and so it's like when you're living in an area and I tell people, this is my favorite thing to do. Like when I was in college, it's like, yeah, the nearest McDonald's is like 40 minutes away. And people are just mind blown. And the nearest Walmart is 40 minutes away. And so people are like mind blown by that. But when you don't have like the resources nearby, um, you kind of have to get resourceful. And so a lot of people do sell stuff on Facebook marketplace and it's just, and because you know, a lot of your community and you can, and you have people that might be mutual friends with them on Facebook that you can see that like they're like a good enough person, they're trustworthy. And I mean, of course, it's probably not the most like smart thing to do at 16, 17 uh, to be meeting strangers off the internet. But I'd always like have a public meetup place. I drive a very like, I drive a 1995 Ford Power Stroke, the big old blue pickup. Um, everyone knows it's my pickup. And so I felt pretty safe in those interactions. Um, and, and just give me an idea of how it's grown over time. Well, I know that I have a lot of people and I still use Facebook Marketplace for a lot of my advertising because I've been in school and it's been very intermittent. So I couldn't have like a steady schedule of a, a place where like people could come get their fruit. So I just I started out and I would do like 15 like 15 minute intervals. Like I'd have a customer coming at 3.30 and then another customer come at 3.45. And then I was like, but these interactions are only taking like two minutes, right? Um, unless let's like, I know the person we'd have a long conversation, but it's like, okay, I need to be a little more efficient with the fuel that I'm spending, the time that I'm spending. And so now um, I put an ad out and I'm going to put an ad out today. And I say, I'm going to go through this town. So now I'm going like 60 miles away, two hours away, whatever. Um, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to be at this parking lot from this time to this time. It's usually an hour. And then people like leave their order in the comment section. I can see who it is. They can, I can confirm with them right there. And then it's pretty cool because I'll show up and they're all waiting for me because I, I, I time it pretty good. They're on like right on the minute. So I have like this whole parking lot full of people that line up and I literally have a line of people waiting for their fruit. And I'm selling 25 pound boxes of fruit. Um, so you're moving quite a bit of volume at one time, but I fill up my pickup. I can fit 76 boxes of fruit in my pickup and I usually sell out.
This episode is being supported by our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A-Plan Rural. The Howden team shares my passion for giving a voice to farmers, and we have both driven to raise the profile of farming voices to a wider audience. Howden Rural do a lot of work on social media themselves, sharing farming accounts and farming stories. They have a rural community blog which shares farmers' experiences, they also support a growing number of initiatives that champion UK farmers, including this podcast. So a big thank you to Howden Rural for supporting Meet the Farmers. I mean, th- this is clearly very inspirational for, for any sort of <laughs> younger people listening who want to sort of get, off the gr- get their business off the ground, get a business off the ground. They might not have much capital, um, but you want to start something. What advice would you give to someone out there who's interested in starting something, but like I say, they don't have much money behind them. They don't have much capital behind them. So my dad is my biggest like mentor to me. And he told me that his mom told him (laughs) the, the most important thing you have is your personality and that will get you farther than anything else in life. So if you're a farmer, you're already like incredibly passionate about what you're doing or if you're just any sort of business owner there's clearly a reason why you started that business and you're passionate about it let that passion show through because that experience that like vigor that you're showing in your interactions with your customers is going to show so much more value than them just going to amazon and ordering a package and it showing up at their doorstep it makes it more worth their effort to come and meet you or come to your business location if you're meeting them with the same enthusiasm and the same passion that you put into your business, put that into your customers too. Is great advice. Let's talk about social media um, because this has clearly been a big element um, of your growth capacity, I suppose. Tell me a little bit about your social media story, um, how you built your following, but critically also, um, yeah, how, what role, I suppose, this has played um, in marketing your business as well? Yeah, well, <laughs> so it goes back to those financial difficulty times. Um, so it was during COVID, and so we couldn't have ag lenders come out to our farm. And so I was like, all right, how do we, because anyone who's a farmer knows that like numbers do not make sense regarding a farm. Um, and so you literally, you have to show, you have to show the other elements, like the layout of your orchard, because you're going for longevity here. You have to show your team, you have to show a succession plan. And so I was like, how do I encapsulate like our company culture into, into something without having them visit? So I started making videos, um, to show our ag lenders and they really liked it. It was something unique. And I was like, at the same time, I was doing these marketing trips and promoting this new Apple. And so. I heard all these misconceptions people had. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make videos um, talking about what we do or like the, you know, the limb rub on an apple. It looks kind of funny, but it's still completely fine to eat. People just don't know those things. And there's so much fear mongering that happens on the internet around food. And I think people just want to feel good about their food and where it comes from. And we have a great story to tell. We just haven't been telling it. And so I started making videos and then I made some more like relatable, funny videos that like would reach wider audiences and stuff. And so had a balance in that way um, and kind of just built a brand around it. And now I've been doing it for four years and um, tying it back into like my business. Yes, it helps with like my Kate's Crates deal, 
but we are still a majority commercial producer. So our fruit is still ending up in the Walmarts and the Kroger's and the big retail chains. And so my ultimate goal is just people eat more apples, even if it's not our apples. I just want you picking up apples and I want you to look at apples in a store and think of, think of a farmer, think of me, if that's the case. Um, and so that was kind of my goal there. And then I, I have built a social media management and consulting business out of it as well. Uh, because I've had so much experience working as an influencer, working with like the creative side, um, doing my internships and seeing strategy behind all of it in the marketing world. And so I've learned a lot through it. Mm. Are there any downsides? And I'm, apart from I'm guessing it takes up a lot of time, um, but yeah, are there any downsides at all? I mean, yeah, I, I'm a, like, I'm a pretty positive person. So I'm like, you can, yeah, you can, you can say no, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you get some negative comments and you, you just kind of have to have like thick skin. You have to really like be grounded in who you are and not look constantly for validation. And I'm guilty of this too. It's like looking for validation from others, but you receive a comment that you're like, that's not true. And then you have to realize like, this is one person seeing a 10 second video of you and making a decision and judging you based off of that. And you cannot give any merit to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you hear that quite a bit from yeah, so many people who have larger followings, and um, yeah, there will there will always be there will always be people out there who will just want to have a poke, won't they? But um, well, especially as like a young woman in agriculture too, they see especially because like like I take care of myself, like I'm a blonde like girl with a nice smile, and so they immediately discredit any sort of work ethic I might have, and that I'm just. <laughs> you know, dancing around making TikToks with my dad's tractors kind of thing. So kind of annoying, but we all know that that's not true. Any of my real followers know that's not true. Yeah. How, how do you think, um, how do you think farming is doing um, as a sector in terms of sort of breaking through those kinds of stereotypes and, and being more inclusive? Okay. Farming in general, like agriculture in general, definitely we've seen like some serious strides. And I'd say like the last two years, especially because We've seen a lot more people see, okay, agriculture is something people are really interested in on social media, especially with the trend of like homesteading and living off grid and like deriving your products from, you know, more local sources and stuff. People want to know about what they're putting into their bodies and more conscious of that than I think they have been in a long, long time, if ever. Um, and so I, I think people are really encouraged by the interest that they're seeing on other ag related videos and they think it's like cool to see like farmers daughters you know um young people old people and that's what agriculture is, is you're taking all of these different people and you're working together to to solve different problems to grow food for the world and it's it's a really cool thing and now we're getting to really tell that whole story um and it, it's cool to see the development of that even the last couple of years mm. Sort of linked to that, um, we're going to move on to the part of the show where we talk about general challenges in the industry. Um, what for you? Uh, these could be these could be uh, sort of national, international, or local. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges um, in ag for you? Right now, it's labor. So anyone who eats any sort of apples or pears or some other tree fruit, it's all hand picked, and then there's a lot of other labor-intensive jobs that happen year-round. And so we rely on a big crew of people and um, 
in the last couple of years, we've been fortunate and able to have a consistent crew, which was a major problem before as we had inconsistency as far as people working for us. Well, now we have contract labor, which is more consistent, but now um, living in Washington state, very progressive, but um, good intentions do not always lead to the best decisions. And so now we, for, for years, have been exempt from paying overtime in agriculture because it is very seasonal. Um, some days, like this last week, our guys weren't able to work very much because it was raining. Um, now that we have some sunnier days, they want to work and work and work. Well, it, it's an off balance of where those hours are going. And now we've moved down to a 40-hour week, and we have to start paying time in half. Well, we're already paying over $19 an hour for our guys and providing housing, providing transportation. And so that is a huge stress on both us as the farmers and on our workers. Think about it, a lot of these farms are in rural areas. It's not easy to just pick up a second job. Uh, these are guys with uh, four or five kids. They've got families to support and they love agriculture jobs because you can work those extra hours when you need them, pick up those hours, be helpful to the farming operation, and get a little bit ahead. And now we're seeing less of that. Do you think farmers are getting a fair deal at the moment? Nope, <laughs> mm -hmm. not at all. Um, we are looked at as, and, and I've already disclosed like some of the challenges I've been through, and there's several other families that are farmers that have been through similar things, but we are still looked at as we own land. So we um, are at an advantage and we are basically um, abusing our workers. If, if anyone spends even two hours on a farm, they'll see that that is not the case. Let's bring this back to you um, in terms of your future, um, future plans. Um, that could be for your, your own business. That could be um, the family business. Uh, where would you like to be in 10 years time? It could be nothing to do with business as well. It could be other things. <laughs> uh, 10 years, hopefully married with a little posse of kids running around, um, <laughs> raising up the next generation. But right now I'm sitting in the warehouse that my great grandfather built. We just got it back into the family after losing it through family dispute and whatnot. Um, and so a lot of, lot of history just even in this building and it's right off of the main highway going up into Canada. And of course I, have my degree in marketing. I love marketing and I love telling the story of agriculture. So I want to move our farm into the direction of diversifying a little bit and getting into ag tourism. So I'd love to have maybe a tap room here in the warehouse or a place where people can get a sandwich, but also have a you pick orchard, have some of our old family pictures up on the wall that tell our story a little bit better. And um, I guess have it be a roadside fruit stand as well. So that's kind of like the goal for the farming side. And then I'd like to continue to like encourage other people in farming to get into the influencer space. It can be a great, you know, second income, um, as well as telling consumers about what we do. Just a little more about our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A-Plan Rural. Same people, different name. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. So for more information, visit howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural.
I mean, obviously this all takes up a lot of time, but what do you like doing when you're not farming? I love fishing. Fishing is my favorite thing. Oh, and I, I, bet it, I bet it's a great part of the world to be fishing as well. It is. We call this area the, uh, the land of many lakes. So there's like a lake, probably 30 minutes in any direction you look, there's, there's going to be a lake waiting for you. So during the summertime, if I get like a couple of hours, I am, I'm at a lake and I'm throwing a line in. Also a lot lately, because I've got this boyfriend now and he's a, he's a cowboy. And so I go, I'm going to one of his rodeos this weekend. So he's also <laughs> a rancher. So I'm learning about the ranching side too. Uh, time for the quick questions. Uh, these are a bit of fun. Uh, first is, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? So I was in Switzerland, Italy, Germany, Monaco, France this earlier this last year, around this time last year. Um, and I really wanted to go to Ireland and I really wanted to go to Norway, but I never made it happen. It's because I have Irish and Norwegian descent. Um, oh. so I'd love to like kind of just see what like my homeland is like. Yeah, and come back, come back to Europe, come back to Europe. I know I planned on it. And it's, that's the cool thing about like being in the fruit industry because fruits grow in a lot of different areas. So even when I was over there, I got to go to a, a bunch of different farms in different countries. And I want to do more of that in the next couple of years or so. Uh, next is apart from apples and pears, what is your favorite food? Fruit or just food in general? Just food in general, anything. Street tacos. I love like Mexican Ooh. street tacos so bomb like every day in the summertime i get tacos from our local taco truck and i'm pretty sure they make majority make up majority of my cells at this point <laughs> uh, and finally uh, your favorite song or artist mm, i love like older country music artists so waylon jennings merle haggard like guys from like the 70s um nice. but merle haggard has like a special place in my heart and like honestly it's just like a lot of steel guitar um great songs mama tried or the way i am misery and gin all that stuff sounds cool and the <laughs> final questions the final questions um kate uh, if you had a message for the public any message what would it be buy more fresh produce honestly it's better for it's you and it's better for your the economy and it's better for the world honestly than any processed foods good message and your message to farmers romanticize your life a little bit more oh. <laughs> farmers farmers are guilty of falling into this mentality of i do this every year i do this every day or whatever and you know it's not that big of a deal farmers are a big deal um and you guys need to know it and and talk about what you do to people because I swear if you talk to anyone that's like on a subway or um, just like at a grocery store they will be mind blown about your lifestyle. Romanticize your life more. I like that. We definitely haven't had that message yet. That's great. Um, and finally, uh, your recommendation for a blog, podcast, or social media account to follow, which can be farming or non-farming, and and give your own socials a plug as well. Oh, I love uh, Discover Ag, that podcast. And then I also love Marketing Happy Hour, which is not ag related, but it's, it gives a lot of insight into like what's going on in marketing right now. Um, so those are my two favorite podcasts. Um, and then my Instagram is Apple Girl Kate. Kate is spelled K-A-I-T. 
And then my TikTok is the same as well. And then I love LinkedIn too. So if you want to follow me there, Caitlin Thorne. Uh, we'll leave it there. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kate, for coming on. Um, it's been yeah, yes. such a pleasure. Um, yeah, such a pleasure having you on and hearing more about the farm and everything you've got going on. Thank you. That is it for today. Uh, big thanks to my guest, Kate Thornton, for coming on the show. Uh, thank you very much for listening and to our primary podcast sponsor, Howden Rural Insurance, who support the show. Um, any links we mentioned today, they're in the show notes. Um, next time, um, we'll be back in the UK. I'll be speaking to Somerset Farmer and former politician, including former chair of the Environment Select Committee in Parliament, Neil Parrish. Um, don't forget to check out our sister show, Rural Business Focus. Uh, you can find that wherever you're listening to this show. I'll be back with you next week. But for now, I'm Ben Eagle. This has been Meet the Farmers. And thank you very much for listening.